Ron and Anian. I think the automobile, it's like a catalytic converter, right? It, it changes the way people look at things. And it, I think it erases common sense in some cases from our potential collective memory. The car doctor. Listen to Tony one of the day off. He would have well, called. Tony works on radio. We're all sick. Yeah, we're all sick. <laughs> you know what? I never looked at it like that. It's like I fix cars. I must be sick. Excuse me. I'm sick. <laughs> They'll clear a path to your home. Because don't nobody want no vomit on his pennant. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in, sit down. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your service here at 855-560-9900, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor hotline as it has been these past many years and always glad to help you in any case, any way, shape, or form. Give us a call at 855-560-9900. And keep in mind that number is 24-7. You can call, leave a message, and our producer will call you back if we're not alive on the air. And talk to you and get you in the queue for the next live broadcast, which occurs Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. There's more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com, tunein.com, iHeart, iTunes.com, all places you can go and take podcasts, as well as at the aforementioned cardoctorshow.com, and also now playing at Google Play. I went to class this week. Isn't that exciting? Somebody said to me, hey, do you ever go to school? I go to school. Let me tell you. I, I just finished the 14-class series put on by the folks here in New Jersey, Bywise Auto Parts and Samuels Corporation, and, and, and they spare no expense. They do a really great job, and it's it's not so much – my opening comments really aren't so much about what they do. I appreciate what they do. It's more about – well, let me tell you the story like this. I was driving home from class Wednesday night. And, no, I'm sorry, Thursday night. And I had to stop and get gas. And the Ranger, I was out driving the Ranger. I fixed it. The, you know, I didn't tell you the Ranger story, did I? Uh, two weeks ago, no, uh, a week ago Thursday, I decided to charge the air conditioning in the Ranger just out of the blue. And it it was low on refrigerant. And I started looking for the leak, and I found the – I finally had to spend money on the Ranger. I mean, I just – I was shocked. It's been three years. And the receiver dryer had rusted through the – styrofoam or the, the foam band and rotted out and was leaking refrigerant. And I fixed that and I fixed the radiator and did hoses and did a thermostat and overhauled the cooling system. And, you know, Thursday night, night of class was my inaugural, gee, let's take it out on the road and see how it is thing. So I took it out and I had just gone to a class put on by the folks uh, via Bywise at, from Motocraft. We had Motocraft Ford trainers in the house on the 6.7 liter diesel. And it's been a while since I had taken a diesel class and, and uh, you know, but it's always good. You don't, we don't see a lot of diesel in the shop. We're not a heavy fleet operation and diesels don't seem to find me at RA Automotive. I'm not sure why, but it was interesting just to hear because there's always good conversation and you never know when you're going to use something. The conversation was about cetane. That's what really got my attention. And cetane is important in terms of a diesel fuel. If we're talking gasoline, it's octane. An octane rating for a gasoline engine refers to its ability to resist auto ignition, meaning it, its ability to resist uh, a detonation. 
and uh, you know that 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 knocking sound, the pinging sound. That's what octane is. Resists auto ignition. Cetane is the opposite. You can think of it as the same thing, but it is a quality rating. Cetane promotes auto ignition. In other words, the the higher the cetane number, generally it's accepted that it's easier for that diesel to light off. A diesel is a pressure ignition situation, whereas a gasoline engine is a spark ignition type of engine operation. And the reason this got me so curious was then they started talking about additives, and they were talking about Howes Lubricator, a company by the name of Howes, H-O-W-S, Howes Lubricator and their products and what they do. And I went I did some reading about them, and Howes makes everything from uh, winter treat and anti-gel and um, they make a cetane booster, and they make some really great products for diesel engines. And the conversation then started to get into, okay, so what's the big deal? Isn't cetane cetane? The instructor said something to me. I don't think I'll ever look at a gas pump the same way again. He said to me, on your drive home, if you stop and get gas, which I just so happened to stop, I needed gas in the Ranger. He said, look at the diesel pump. What's the cetane rating? Okay, I will. And the next time I see him, I'm going to tell John. He was right. The gas station I was in, it was a name. It was a major name. Uh, it was a cetane rating diesel. They were selling cetane rated diesel of 40. Okay. Do you know what? And I've been in two other gas stations since Thursday, and they're all selling 40 cetane. Do you know what Ford calls for as a minimum cetane rating? 45. So that means that at least three major brands in New Jersey, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it's different anywhere else, but three major brands in New Jersey are selling diesel fuel with a lower cetane rating than recommended or required by manufacturer, and it makes the case for a cetane booster, such as the products from House, and. It really made me start to take notice that you, you just assume, you know, listen, sometimes I'll put regular in the Ranger. Sometimes I'll put high test. It depends on where we are in terms of, you know, I, I do an every third tank full high test. And we've had this conversation. That's not what this is about, you and I, over the years. The point is that you assume that diesel, because you've only got one choice at a, at a gas station, you assume that the one type of diesel they're selling is the right type of diesel. In reality, it's not. And it makes me say to everyone out there looking at diesel, and if you're running diesel and you're having issues with how it starts and how easily it starts and performance, you've got to look at fuel. Fuel is the number one contributor to diesel problems. The instructors told us that Thursday night, and it was something I'd, I, I knew really, but it was comforting to hear again that diesel, the biggest problem with diesel in this country is the fact that the quality of the fuel out there isn't good. Listen, we had this conversation, oh, I think five, six years ago. I remember it well where I sat and I talked about when I went to GDI gasoline direct injection fuel injection class when it was starting to make its inroads. And we had the conversation, or at least I talked about it on air when I asked the instructor, what's the biggest problem with fuel injection today and what do you think is going to be the biggest problem with GDI? And he said, the biggest problem is we're pumping dirt into the tank at what was then $3 a gallon. And it's still a problem. We still have fuel issues in this country in a tremendous way. 
and it only seems to get worse as time goes on. And the only people I can point at is A, the refiners, the manufacturers, and B, EPA. EPA changes and requires, and I haven't read an EPA report, I'll be honest, in probably the past 10 months to a year because it's just it's the same repetitive nonsense over and over again. But EPA requires manufacturers to have specific fuels by region based on air pollution levels, which makes a whole lot of sense to me because if you're in Pennsylvania and the fuel requirement is different than that in New Jersey, somebody's got to tell EPA that the air has the ability to sneak over the border and go both ways. It's What's the point? The issue here in the bottom line becomes... Regardless of what you're driving, if you're driving a gasoline vehicle, you got to think about fuel system additives and cleaners. If you if you're driving a diesel vehicle, and a diesel is much less tolerant of poor quality fuel than a gasoline engine, you've got to think about some additives. Take a look at the family from Hows, the Hows lubricator line, H O W E S. You can find them out online. But most importantly, consider using a cetane booster, an anti gel additive and some of the other diesel fuel system maintenance items that are required because I know a lot of you are curious about diesel. We do talk about it, but it's going to be a case that I can only help you so much and a repair manual can only help you so much. If you want to keep your diesel out of the shop and running right, you've got to consider using additives once you fill up at the pump because that pump is probably pumping less than manufacturer's recommended spec fuel a poor or a lower than normal cetane rating. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. We've got a guest speaker coming up, an interview later on this hour, Aaron Charrington from All Data. Aaron's going to be stopping by. A little bit of information about DIY. We know Father's Day is just a week away, and we want to give you some ideas for gifts. Maybe there's an All Data DIY subscription in it for you if you're looking for something to get for dad or maybe mom's the dad and either way somebody's working on a car in the family you want to give them information access so that they can uh, properly repair it and all that is a great way to go because it has the ability to give you the same level of professional information that I see in the shop on a day-to-day basis for that specific car line that you pick out and of course I'm here to answer your questions at 855-560-9900 and we're going to open up the garage doors right after this don't go away back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Let's get over and talk to Greg in New Windsor, New York. Some problems with an 06 Toyota. Greg, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, yes. I, my daughter has an 06 Toyota Corolla. Okay. And she has a check engine light that's on, and the code is a P0171. Okay. Lean fuel condition. What, what sort of repairs or attempts at repairs have been done, if any? Uh, right now, uh, all we've done is replace the mass airflow sensor right and that did nothing no it well it worked for about a month okay and the check then the check engine light came on and i thought maybe the sensor was uh, uh faulty so i sent it back to where i bought it and they sent me a new one i put it in and fixed it for about another month i mean the light didn't come on then it came back on now it's been on for 10 months okay what what sort of scan tool are you using greg uh well i just went to AutoZone. 
Oh, so in other words, they just for, stand it. I don't know. really have. I don't have any of those tools on myself. Okay, so but they came up with that code. Right now, did they tell? You, did they tell you to put the mass airflow in, or that was just? No, your well, own I conclusion? looked at the uh, things that could be uh, problems with it online. Right. And one of the things was a mass airflow sensor. Right. And so I put that in. In fact, my son-in-law has an has an 07 Corolla, and he had the same problem. And I told him, "Well, try the mass airflow sensor first, And he replaced it, and it's worked. Right. Well, what you're doing is very dangerous. All right. Okay. And, and and I don't want to make this sound like a lecture, but I'm going to lecture you for a second. Yeah, fine. I don't mind being lectured. You know, and here's the reason why. Um, you're, you're taking a shot in the dark, which I understand, but the the time and the effort of doing it wrong is way mm-hmm. is overshadowing the ability to do this right now. And I'm okay. just curious, why? And I, just, you know, again, this is just you and me. Why would you do it this way rather than take it to somebody for a diagnosis? I think I know the answer. I just want to hear you say it. Well, to be honest with you, I, I've been in the, I was in the business for 30 years. Okay. So I kind of have, well, unfortunately, you know, I'm one of those people who have too much knowledge but not enough, so I'm dangerous. Right. No, listen, I admi- that's the reason. I, I admire you and for the effort And also, I had my trying. friend's a mechanic that I right. worked with right. for a long time, and he, I brought my son-in-law, my son-in-law brought his car there, and that's what he said the problem was. So I thought it would be the same problem. That's okay. why I did it. All right. That's the so only reason. How long are you out of the business? Uh, well, eight years now. Okay. When you were when you were in it, so then you must have worked on cars with scan tools and you saw fuel trim, and do you remember what fuel trim is and the conversation yes. about it? Short-term, long-term? Yes. The way I would look at this, uh, you know, we, we fix a lot of 171 Corollas at the shop. It's a very common fault. It's probably number one in terms of pattern failure. Right. The, 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 yeah, the, I saw that. The, the, the key piece of information is when does the 171 occur? Okay. If the 171 occurs during warm-up, all right, because this is probably when the engine is warm, you know, it's at operating temperature, I'm willing to bet that you're, in your particular case that the uh, idle speed is normal, 750, 800 RPM. It doesn't show any kind of drivability symptoms. It's got a check engine light on, right? Yes. Okay. So you're, 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 you're most likely setting the fault code during warm-up. And I would, right. I would bet it happens somewhere between 158 and 175 degrees. So, okay. so what I would do is I would take a scan tool and go and look at freeze frame, which is a video snapshot of approximate conditions that the engine was operating under when the fault occurred. And, and I'd be willing to bet if you look at coolant temp, it's going to be somewhere in that 160 to 180 temp range. And if it is... I would take a very close look at intake manifold gaskets. Yeah, I, I noticed that, too. What's that? was that? one of the causes. Oh, yeah, now, absolutely. Working a, besides the dealer, would most mechanics have this tool? or Any scan tool that does freeze frame have that tool. So I would have to ask them if they have a freeze frame. Well, no, they, you have to ask them what kind of scan. If you notice, the first question I asked you was, what scan tool are you using? And here's, right. where, here's where AutoZone is doing everybody a disservice. Right. All they're doing is they're scanning it for a code. Yes. And in, in this particular case, there's approximately six common failures. Right. Purge valve, mass airflow, intake manifold, rear O2, front O2, and a general vacuum leak. And they're okay. all they're all semi common. The most common 
is intake gaskets, and nobody nobody can find them because nobody knows. I don't say nobody, but the majority don't realize to look at freeze frame to see when the fault occurred. The majority of scan tools have the ability to look at freeze frame. Launch okay. launch has it. OTC has it. Actron has it. Snap-on will have it. If it's a quality manufacturer tool, they will have freeze frame ability. All right. So what questions should I ask the, the shop then to well, check that, to diagnose the light? How are they How are they going to diagnose it? Because we already know it's not a mass airflow, all right? Right. And, you know, we want to hear, can anybody, as far as I'm concerned, they've got to be able to say, hey, you, you know what, uh, Greg, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go take a look at codes. And, and, and freeze frame review is part of any diagnosis. I don't do it on just 06 Toyotas. I do, right. it, I do it on every car that comes in with a check engine light. All right. So okay. what, what I'm expecting to see, if zero, if a zero percent fuel trim is a balanced fuel mixture, okay. all right, then I'm expecting to see a fuel trim showing me plus fifteen to twenty percent, in particular on the long term side and also on the short term side. I'll see it. I'll see it in history, and I'll see it in live data at that particular moment. All right. All right. And if that's the case. There are multiple bulletins out from Toyota, uh, 4507, 5105, 4107, that all talk about fuel trim intake manifold. Uh, there's also a conversation about purge valve sticking and creating some issues. Uh, you know, you went through mass airflow. And, and for that matter, all right, let's say freeze frame looks perfect. Ron, how would you mm-hmm. diagnose freeze? For, how would you diagnose mass air? Easiest way? is wide open throttle bring mass airflow calculated load up on a scan tool if the mass airflow is bad it generally won't go over 80 percent you have to see almost 90 to 100 percent calculated load value on a mass airflow reading i'm sorry you have to see almost 90 to 100 percent calculated load which tells you the mass airflow is operating at a correct calibration all right Calculated load is a measurement of volumetric efficiency, how much air the engine is drawing in and how it's being measured, how well the cylinders are being filled. Typically, a a, a mass airflow sensor that's out of calibration or dirty is going to show you a lower number. It's going to be 80% or less. But in your case, I would take a look at freeze frame, take a look at the intake gaskets, maybe a little propane looking for some artificial enrichment while watching fuel trim and O2 sensor values on a scan tool will tell you a heck of a lot. I appreciate the honesty, Greg, and I admire your effort. Just uh, give it a shot that way and let me know what happens. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor coming up next. All data. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron Mini and the Car Doctor here to answer your question. But right now, let's hold up on phone calls at 855-560-9900 because we've got something very special for you. We all know and we all have that conversation each and every week, you and I, in regards to information and how we go about repairing cars. We just had a call from Greg up in upper, upper New York State with the 06 Toyota Corolla, and he's working on his daughter's uh, car with a check engine light on and a P0171 for the past seven months. And there's four bulletins available for that vehicle. And I thought it was a perfect segue to lead into our next guest. That would be Aaron Sherrington from All Data. And Aaron is here to help talk to us a little bit about information and the need for it and uh, where we've been and where we're going. Aaron, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. 
Good afternoon, Ron. Thank you for having, for having me on today. Um, you know, we just had a call from a gentleman upstate New York. He's working on his daughter's 06 Toyota, and I know this is a little off our, our original conversation where we were going to go, but I thought sure. it was a great segue. Um, so here's a, here's a fellow working on, he's, he's got a P0171 fault. He's got a 171 fault code. So he's out there on the Internet, and he's looking for fixes. So now the Internet's the mechanic. Yep. And and he missed the bulletins. He missed, you know, the understanding of freeze frame. He missed diagnostic procedure. And he's 10 months and two mass airflow sensors into this car, and he's gotten nowhere. Well, Ron, at All Data, we, we actually do have a solution to help a, a consumer like this gentleman, um, and it's called All Data DIY. Okay. Um, so we have all the factory direct information available. Um such as original manufacturer's diagrams, diagnostic repair procedures with detailed component locations, wiring diagrams, current TSBs and recalls, even factory part numbers with labor estimates. We have it all available for the consumer. And something like this is, I mean, listen, let's let's back up a second. Ten years ago, uh, was it was there an old data DIY ten years ago? That's about the time we actually introduced it. It okay. was about between seven and, and eight years ago. So it, it, it's grown, right? I mean, how, how have you seen it grow in the past 10 years? The, the demand is just escalating, correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, for the consumers that choose to work on their car, um, you know, one thing I've learned in the 30-plus years I've been in and around this business is information fixes cars. So when you use, you know, factory direct information, you're more likely to get that car fixed faster. When you were in the business, weren't you, Aaron? I mean, you you turned wrenches for a couple of million years, right? Uh, Well, I didn't actually turn wrenches myself, but I've been around the business for 30 plus years, starting when my parents purchased an automotive shop when I was seven years old. So I would go there after school. I did a lot of the different jobs. Um, and, uh, actually after college I ran, we had six shops at that time. So I, I ran the shops as the VP of operations. So by, by osmosis, you get, you get what's going on here. And Absolutely. If, if, if you had to face somebody at the counter that was working on their own car and now it's 10 months in and the check engine lights been on and who knows what else, what other faults accumulated, what would you say to that person to try and get him back on track? How would you explain what they're doing is wrong? Um, well, um, they might not have, obviously, the, the tools to fix the diagnose and fix the problem correctly. They certainly wouldn't have the experience um, of doing working on a, a cars every day like most shops do. And they probably don't have the information required. And, and that's, so, sort of, that's sort of the key, right? I mean, if, if you're going to work on the car, have the information. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. That, I said it earlier and a few minutes ago. Is one thing I've learned is information fixes cars. And sure, we, you got to have the skills and the tools, but you need the information before you, to fix the car correctly. So, just out of curiosity, and, and, and I'm hoping I'm hoping Greg is I'm hoping Greg is you know still listening. Um, I don't want to make him feel really bad, but how much how much is it your subscription to all data DIY? <laughs> Uh, you can actually buy a year subscription for a single vehicle for twenty six ninety five. So under thirty bucks. Yep. Uh, you know, now when you say single vehicle, is that single brand or in his case it was an 06 Toyota Corolla? It would cover that 06 Toyota Corolla. Exactly. 
it's a year make model combination. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, as a family discount, if he works on other cars within his family, he can purchase an additional subscription for seven sixteen ninety five. Now, where does that information come from? Are you taking it right from the professional stuff? Are you taking it right from what I see on a day to day basis in the shop using all data? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's all OEM sourced information. So we get it from the manufacturers. And it, it is essentially the same info. I mean, it is the same information, Ron, that's used by eighty thousand shops. Um, you know, across North America at this point, um, as we're the oldest and the largest OEM information provider. Um, but it is the exact same information, just limited to his vehicle, his 06 Toyota Corolla. I think there's one change in there that I think you do this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the things that really attracts me to an all data is the fact that you'll take some of that OE information and, like, the wiring diagrams you 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 make it easier to understand and you also index things you standardize it and that's important for the yep. listeners to know that that is an advantage to a product like all data because if you start looking at you know Toyota does it different than Honda that does it different than GM that does it different than Ford and you know there are some sources out there where I can use you know OE level same thing as the dealers looking at and it's very difficult to navigate where yep. you guys re-index it yeah, I mean, we re-index it and you know, make it easier to find primarily as well. I mean, today, you know, we did a tabulation run recently. We have about 50 million <laughs> documents available. Wow. Right? One of the keys is getting to the document you need as quickly as possible. So we spend a lot of time indexing. We use a standardized taxonomy to organize the information all to help make you find that information faster. Now, in terms of finding information faster, Aaron, for those of you just tuning in, we're talking to Aaron Sherrington from All Data. Um, there's a movement underfoot at All Data that you want to get also into experience base. You want to do what this gentleman did with the 06 Toyota, but you want to put it into some kind of parameters where it's a controlled environment, experience based diagnostics. So that it's not just the internet and everybody that can type at a keyboard telling you what's wrong with the car. There's some, what's the word? There's some regulation to it. Yep, yep. And and a couple of years ago, I would have described our products as static, where we're moving towards um, what I'll call more interactive products. For example, the feature you're referring to is is our community. We actually have um, a community of about 80,000 shops, professionals that are using um, all data, professional data. Um, and they actually, we have 86,000 members now that have joined the community and where they can ask each other questions and then answer questions and rate them as far as the answer goes. So it's a much more interactive product. And, and along with, go ahead. I was going to say, in, in terms of, it's it's not everybody's opinion. Things are controlled, so you're you're more likely to get correct, solid information than well. I think it was this because it was Tuesday. Yep, exactly. Each one of the what we call verified repairs is actually verified by either one of our technicians or the technician that actually submitted the question. Right. So he'll tell us this solution fixed this problem. Now, additionally. We also have a hotline available staffed by ASE Master Techs 
um, available for professional garages to call in when they're stuck on a problem. That's called All Data Tech Assist. Interesting. Wow, you guys are really cranking it up. You're you're taking it to the next level. Yeah, uh, and the, the other piece of interactivity I'll tell you about, Ron, is All Data Mobile. We right. actually have a mobile version that's on a, on runs on tablets, um, whether it's a iPad or a Android tablet, etc. Combined with an OBD2 dongle. So we're actually um, interrogating the car and then automatically pairing the results like that P171 with all of the factory relevant information regarding to doing a search on P171 for that car. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to leave it here, but uh, Aaron, going forward, we're going to get you back. I want to talk a little bit more about all data mobile next time around because I think there's a lot more there than the next minute can afford me to allow you to, to, to talk about it. Um, but real quick, is is all data DIY uh, something they can purchase online? Is there a website? Yep, yep, yep. If you go to simply all data DIY, which stands for do it yourself, all data DIY.com. Perfect. Has all the information and how to sign up. Perfect. Listen, Aaron, I appreciate you taking the time this weekend, and I want to thank you and everybody at All Data for what you do to make my life easier and for everybody else out there trying to fix cars. And I want to wish you a good weekend the rest of the weekend. Likewise, and thank you for having me on, sir. You're, you're welcome, sir. We'll be talking again. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor, here at 855-560-9900, here to take your calls and answer your questions. Keep in mind, that is the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, and you can call, leave a message at 855-560-9900, and our producer will call you back and put you in the lineup if we're not live on the air. Uh, live show Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's get over and talk to Pat down Louisiana way with some questions about a 2003 Toyota. Pat, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hey, thank you, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. Um, I purchased this car about three and a half years ago with about 98,000 miles on it. Okay. I currently have uh, just under 212,000. Okay. I have never touched the transmission fluid, uh, never done anything, and I have no reason at this point to do anything, and yet I have two friends. One of them says I need to change the fluid. The other one says if it's not broken, don't fool with it. Well, ideas? yeah, you know, it's it's everything has a finite life, Pat. So, you know, you've got to come to the conclusion that somewhere, first of all, you've exceeded what I consider to be normal life of a transmission. Typically, they're a buck and a half, 200,000 is, is, is the upper limit. And usually a transmission has a fault somewhere in that mileage range, regardless of whether or not you change the fluid. Uh, the ones that don't change the fluid seem to not last as long as the ones that do. You've sort of broken the odds. But okay. if, if it were mine, I'd change the fluid, and I'll make the case here on radio. You know, hydraulic fluid has a finite life, too. You know, I plow, I, I, I snow plow. You don't snow plow. You're in Louisiana. I don't think you get snow down that way. Not um, a bit. Yeah, not a bit. So I was really amazed the first time around when I didn't change the fluid in the snowplow. Nobody told me I had to. I'll never forget this. And it went three, four years, five years, and I noticed the plow started to make noise. It whined. It didn't respond as well. 
you know, when I hit the button, it just didn't work as smooth as it once did. Did some reading, figured it out, changed the fluid. The hydraulic fluid, which wasn't even dirty or that dirty, had a lot of moisture in it. It was in a moisture environment. It's out in the rain. It's out in all kinds of weather. The fluid itself was beat up. Trans fluid is hydraulic fluid. It's it's right. it's getting beat up. The trans is not going to shift as well. Old fluid versus new fluid. It's just common sense and fact. And the other issue becomes that when you look at what automatic transmission fluid does in terms of keeping the trans clean and operating properly, leaving older fluid in there just really invites the failure to happen. It's inevitable. Changing the fluid, changing the fluid, which in your case isn't going to break a $100 bill, changing the fluid is only going to promote the life of the trans. And maybe you'll get to 250 or 300,000 miles. But you've got... So... Go ahead. Should I flush it? I mean, no. somebody said... No. It's a do, whole, okay. do a drain and fill. All do right? A drain and do fill. a drain and fill. Drive it 10,000 miles. If you have no problems with it, then do a fluid exchange. Do it a little bit at a time. All right? Think of it in terms of a blood transfusion. You don't want to shock your body. You want to do it a little bit at a time. So we're going to take out three or four quarts, and then after a little bit of getting used to it, we make sure there's no other issues, then we'll take out the rest and do a complete exchange. Gotcha. Terrific. Thank right, you sir. so much. You're really very welcome, Pat. Your You're very welcome, and thanks for being a part of the Car Doctor family. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor zooming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Indy and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. No time for any more calls this hour, but let me just go back, and I want to go and talk about this real quick. Up in Michigan, Michigan bill restricting aftermarket crash parts passes legislature. This is a document in my hand, um, Auto Care Association Capital Report, dated June 6th of this year. House Bill 4344, and I want everybody to write that down. In Michigan, House Bill 4344, a 62-page bill updating the 1974 Michigan Motor Vehicle Service and Repair Act, passed. If you don't think the car companies are trying to restrict what we can do and what you can repair on your vehicle and control how you repair it, you got to listen to this. House Bill 4344 passed the Michigan legislature last Tuesday, May 31st. The bill language makes reference to restricting the use of certain sheet metal and body parts described in bill text as major component parts, but was clearly crafted to restrict the vehicle repair community's access to a broad range of non-OEM parts. Additional details from the legislation. The period covered by the regulation in the terms of the vehicle manufacturer's warranty or during the first five years of vehicle manufacturer's original warranty, whichever is less. The motor vehicle repair facility this is what I wanted to get to. The motor vehicle repair facility shall replace the major component part with one of the following, a new original equipment part, a used or recycled original equipment part, a part that meets any applicable federal motor vehicle safety standards established under 49 CFR 571 and meets the standards for parts recognized as OEM comparable quality as verified by the Certified Automotive Parts Association. What this is trying to do and where this is going is this bill also included the ability to limit crash parts in terms of replacement, radiators, 
condensers, things in the front of the car, things in the back of the car, taillight lenses and housings and assemblies. All of this is being covered under House Bill 4344 up in Michigan. So you can see the manipulation that's going on here, folks. They're trying to limit who and what and how it gets replaced. It's going to affect all of us. If you're in Michigan, call your legislators. Tell them you want to talk about House Bill 4344. This is a crisis. This is a problem happening right now, and it's happening to all of us sooner or later. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Get one while you can. See ya. See ya.